Welcome to God's Truth. I'm Dr. D. Todd Harrison as we proclaim God's truth throughout all the world. We welcome you today as we look at another great lesson in this uh, book of scripture, the Old Testament, the first testament of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as part of the Holy Bible being the first witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next year, we'll be looking at the New Testament. It's only a couple of months away. We will be looking at the life of the Jesus Christ, my favorite book of scripture. Nothing greater than I like to do than to study the life and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He rose from the dead on the third day. He died and was crucified for the sins of the world. He appeared to his apostles, to his disciples, to many other holy men and women throughout history to show the witness, the proof of the resurrection of his uh, physical body of flesh and bones, as he declared in the upper room in Luke, spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see that I have. Of him we testify to the world this day that he lives and sits at the right hand of our heavenly father in splendor and glory and great majesty. We're looking today at the prophet Ezekiel. And it's been an adventure this year in the Old Testament. We saw how the early uh, prophets of the Old Testament didn't do so well in their in their personal lives, right? But they were the best God had to send at that time of earth's history. And so he had to send and use what he had to work with. These later prophets, we you know we've had great experiences with Isaiah, with Jeremiah, now with Ezekiel. We get these great prophets here in the latter half of the Old Testament. And what a mighty visionary and what a, uh, what an experience, uh, a lifetime of experiences this prophet Ezekiel had, right? We begin chapter one right away. He's seen, uh, you know, unidentified flying objects or, uh, you know, UFOs. He's seen aliens, you know, alien species from, from other planets. You know, he goes on, you know, he, he has a time traveling experience with the uh, apostle John, one of Jesus' uh, 12 apostles. It's just really amazing the things that Ezekiel uh, saw here in, in his life and recorded here in the in his book of scripture, the book of Ezekiel. So we'll be looking at Ezekiel here today. And uh, let's begin here with uh, chapter one. There's been a lot of the UFOlogists who like to study this UFO phenomenon that we know recently, the last couple of years, even the United States government and many other governments have now acknowledged that these unidentified flying objects exist. They prefer to call them unidentified uh, aerial phenomenon. Uh, they exist. We don't know where they're coming from. We don't know, uh, uh, you know, who they are or, you know, you know, you know, they uh, from the future coming back or the humans from the future coming back uh, to uh, the past. Uh, are they are they indeed aliens from another planet? Uh, you know, are they uh, some sort of interdimensional beings that exist in some other dimension of the Earth? Uh, are they uh, angels and uh, demons? And we've looked at a lot of evidence of of that this year as as well here. So uh, we begin here in chapter one, the great UFO experience of the prophet Ezekiel. Let's begin in the se uh, verse um, uh, chapter one, verse one. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Shabar over there in, uh, you know, the uh, Babylon, uh, the Iraq area, uh, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God in the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Verse three through five, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest, 
the son of Buzi in the land of the Chaldeans. That's interesting, right? He's uh, God's called several the people from different professions, uh, you know, to be his uh, prophet, right? And they didn't do so well, did they? So finally, with Jeremiah, he said, "Well, let's let's finally call a priest. Let's call a religious a religious one, right?" And then he did well with uh, Jeremiah. So now he's called Ezekiel the priest. So he's going to the priestly class now to be his prophet rather than calling a businessman and uh, lawyers and different. Uh, you know, Abraham was you know certainly a businessman and. Uh, you know, Moses was a government official. So, you know, he's, he's uh, rejected now these kinds of uh, leaders now. And he's going for, uh, uh, you know, the priests uh, to be his uh, leaders of the people, to be his prophets. And uh, and so here's uh, the priest uh, Ezekiel and the visions of heaven were open, the visions of God. He sees God, therefore he qualifies to be a prophet. We continue to be presented with this theme over and over again in the scriptures. You're not a prophet uh, until you've seen God, right? The, the test in Numbers 12, 6, how do you know that there's a prophet among you? I, the Lord, will appear to him in a vision and speak to him in a dream. That's how you know that someone's really a prophet or not. Uh, there may be churches uh, on the earth where people serve as a prophet, never seen God, uh, you know, so they serve in some sort of church office within their church as prophet, but they've never even seen God. They're not qualified to truly be a prophet or an apostle of the Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we go. And now in verse four, here's the UFO, right? And I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, right? We've seen that these ancient people are having a hard time describing this. Most of the time they describe it, it will look like a cloud, right? And it's interesting because uh, modern-day uh, UFO sightings, a lot of people, a lot of witnesses of these things, they, you know, uh, say that it was like a white, silver-type uh, silver object that looked like a cloud. I mean, thousands of years later, they're still describing it, as, you know, as this cloud. We've seen others try it in different ways. We saw how they, how Elisha uh, talked about Elijah going up in this chariot of fire. Now, obviously, there was no chariot of fire. There was no chariot of fire with a horse. <laughs> horse goes flying through through the sky, right? It uh, uh, didn't happen that way, right? Uh, he got into some sort of uh, UFO, unidentified flying object, and went up to the heavens. Uh, we see uh, God coming down uh, to the tent, uh, you know, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, uh, several times with Moses, you know, coming down and then going back up. Uh, we see Jesus in the New Testament. After he is, uh, you know, says it says goodbye to his apostles. He goes up into this cloud. The cloud flies away. Uh, they're still so shocked. They're looking up into the heavens, looking at this. And the two angels say, "Ye man of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who you just saw ascending heaven shall one day come back in like manner." Right? He will be coming back in this cloud of heaven, described in land. He's not flying through the space like Superman. Right? He's not flying through the clouds of heaven like like superman right he's coming in whatever this object is and now maybe even the modern day ufos might still be primitive technology to compare compared to what god has and what god will be coming back in and these sort of things but that's the best we have to work with in trying to even begin to understand such a concept here in the year 2022 so here he's describing this whirlwind that's been described by several of the other prophets a great cloud. So here comes this whirlwind, this cloud flying, right? Not just not the cloud you look like, not not the same kind of cloud you look out your window to see, right? Whirlwind coming out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. 
and brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, and out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the lightness. Here he sees these, these uh, aliens, right? He sees the alien species here. The lightness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, right? They 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 stood, uh, you know, standing up erect. But we see they're quite different than a man. There, and verse seven, the sole of their feet was like a calf's foot. Uh, they uh, sparkled like the color of burnished brass. Uh, they have the hands of a man under their wings. They have wings and hands. Uh, they uh, in uh, verse uh, ten, as for the likeness of their faces, they had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side. And the four had the face of an ox on the left and also the face of an eagle. So they had these four heads, uh, you know, eagle, a ox, uh, a lion, and a man. I mean, clearly these are alien species from some other sort of uh, world. Uh, we know and we see this kind of stuff in the book of Revelation uh, with these uh, multiple heads, multiple eyes, these sort of things. Uh, the prophet Joseph Smith said, indeed, they do exist that way. Those are indeed uh, some sort of animals from another uh, uh, sphere of, uh, of world organizations. He promised to talk about it again one day, but never got around to it. I would like to have heard the rest of that story. But nevertheless, these are indeed real creatures, just like the ones in the book of Revelation are real. Okay, so let's look now at... Uh, 15 through 16. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one will upon the earth. So now he sees this, this uh, you know, object, this uh, unidentified flying object, land. It's got wheels. Uh, and the appearance of the wheels and the work was like unto the color of a burl. And they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was if it were a wheel in the middle of another wheel. And again, that uh, seems to... Uh, correspond with modern-day witnesses of this UFO phenomenon. They describe uh, the, those kinds of things that looks like a wheel within a wheel. And they went, and they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. And as for their rings, so they had rings around the ship too, again identified by many modern-day witnesses of these uh, UFO phenomena. And they were so high that they were dreadful. And their rings were full of eyes round about them four. They probably, the rings themselves probably didn't have eyes. It's just Ezekiel has no vocabulary to describe what, what he's seeing here. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up, right? Trying to say, look, guys, I really saw this, this, uh, this vehicle, right? It's kind of like the only thing we have to think about it here in Ancient Babylon is a chariot, right? We kind of saw this chariot. It has wheels. It goes up and down from the earth, right? It'd be very clear here in his description. He's describing this way better than any other prophets or apostles have done that in the, you know, in the biblical record. Okay, and then, um, let's see, and through uh, to, uh, let's see, and after the 21, we'll go to 24, verse 24. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings. So it's a, it's a power. He's hearing the engines. He's hearing the engines of these wings like the noise of great waters. As the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech is the noise of a host, of, a, of an army, right? He never heard a, an engine before in his life. He's trying to describe it the best he can. When they stood, they let down their wings. 
And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. So now who's flying on, who's flying in this uh, identified flying object? God, right? He's seeing God here. In the beginning of this chapter, right, the visions of the heavens were open and he saw God, right? And so here he sees above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man upon it, God, because mankind is made in the image of God. God looks like a man. He's a glorified, uh, resurrected, immortal uh, man who has become a God. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about it, they always see God sitting enthroned in the heavenly burnings and this heavenly fire. Uh, from the appearance of his loins even upward and from the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and it had brightness round about as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance and the likeness of the glory of the Lord. He sees God here in this unidentified flying object thing. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face. He saw the glory of God. And I heard a voice of one that spake. Chapter 2. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit into me, when he had spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation. That hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me. Even to this very day, I'm bringing destructions upon them. I'm bringing the Assyrians upon the kingdom of Israel in the north. I'm bringing the Babylonians. And they're still rebellious against me. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Ko amar Adonai, thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious rebellious house, yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. Why? Because the things that God told Ezekiel to prophesy to them of the destruction of, Babel, of, 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 of the kingdom of Judah, of Jerusalem, of the temple, came and, and it came to pass. That's the other. Remember, there's two tests of being a prophet. One, have they seen God? Two, when they utter prophecies, are those prophecies fulfilled? In earlier part of the Old Testament, they told God told the Israelites, this is how you know if someone's a false prophet. When they utter a prophecy, if the prophecy does not come to pass, you can know that that's a false prophet, right? So they know that he's a true prophet because the things and the destructions and the judgments of God that he prophesied of came to pass. And he says, uh, you know, and then he tries to say, look, uh, don't don't be afraid of them. You know, they can't hurt you. I'm, I'm with you. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, uh, for they are most rebellious. Be that, uh, But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat what I give unto thee. And we'll see that what that's going to be is the scriptures, right? Eat it, consume it, make it part of your life. And when I looked and behold, 
and hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of the book was there, and he spread it before me, and it was written within without, and there was written there in lamentations, mourning, and woe. These are destructions and the judgments of God. Ezekiel's being commanded to go preach to the people. Okay, let's now, and we're going to um, sidetrack for just a little bit to, to have a little bit of fun here. Uh, we're going to look also at uh, Ezekiel 40. Then we'll come back uh, to chapter 3. I think this is the best place to do it. It's not part of the curriculum, but it's a, it's one of the fun things. And we're already talking about uh, UFOs here in the, you know, in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, let's talk about this time traveling experience and meeting John the Apostle as well. Okay, let's first look at Revelation chapter 11. This is the great uh, apocalypse or the revelation, the apostle John. And in chapter 11, in verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. So John is given a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread uh, under 40 uh, foot, tread under foot 40 and two months. So here John is being commanded, he's given this reed, uh, he's uh, this measure, you know, this measuring reed, he's being commanded to go measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. John is being commanded, he's given a reed to go measure the temple, the altar, and them that worship, right? Okay, so now let's look at Ezekiel chapter 40. And he says here in verse 2, And the visions of God brought me into the land of Israel, and set me upon a very high mountain, by which was as the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed. And he stood in the gate, right? Here he sees, right? <laughs> so John goes, now this is probably the future temple in Israel prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So John has gone into the future nearly, you know, 2,000 or so years in advance. Ezekiel's got an extra 500 years. He's got 2,500 now. They meet up with each other here. He sees this man has just been commanded in, in Revelation 11 to go measure the temple. And so here's John with the measuring reed, and he's standing in the gate. In verse 4, And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee, for the intent that I might show them unto thee that thou art brought hither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house round about, and in the man's hand, a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and the hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building, the building, the temple. He's measuring the, the, the temple. Here's John. He's now, you know, they've met up with each other through time travel. And now uh, John is measuring the temple as he was commanded in Revelation chapter 11 to do. So he measures the, uh, the building, the temple, one reed and the height one reed. Then came he unto the gate, which looketh toward the east, and went up into the stairs of, and measured the threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad, and the other threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad. So here he's fulfilling exactly what he had been commanded to do in chapter 11 of Revelation. He's there at the temple. He's measuring it just like he was just commanded 
in Revelation 11, and here Ezekiel also travels through time, and they meet up with each other, even though they live 500 years apart from one another. And here they are, and John's helping them and, and instructing Ezekiel and further information that he should go back and tell his people back in 500 BC, 500 years before John. So what an incredible experience! Right again here in Ezekiel uh, chapter 40. This Ezekiel, he's seeing these UFOs. He's seeing God in UFOs. He's seeing these alien creatures with four heads, uh, ox and eagle and uh, the lion, the head, uh, the human, and all this stuff. He's also having tri time traveling experiences, right? Way different than drunk Noah, right? Who after God spares him and his family, you know, with the ark, right? What does he do? He goes out, becomes a naked drunk. Or Abraham, who keeps selling his wife to, you know, the highest bidder, right? He's selling his wife off to the kings in order to enrich himself, right? These these prophets were really something. Isaiah, Isaiah you know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, these prophets. These were the real prophets of the Old Testament. What a great guy, this, uh, what a great prophet, this Ezekiel. All right, let's go back now to uh, chapter 3 of Ezekiel. And we'll look at one through eight. Moreover, he said unto me, son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll, eat these scriptures, consume it, make it part of your life. So go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it. And it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. When was the last time you could say that about your scripture reading, that it was as honey, as sweetness as to what you had been reading and feasting upon the words of God, that it was as though you ate it, as though your belly took it in, as, as this honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech who speaks a foreign language and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words you can't understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, to the people who couldn't even understand you, they would have hearkened unto you, right? They would have felt at least the Holy Ghost through the words. They might not have understood the words that you were speaking, but they would have felt the, the, the Holy Ghost and would have come unto God, right? But these way people are so rebellious, so wicked, that they're not going to feel the Spirit of God in your words, right? Even you speak the same language, even you speak this ancient uh, Hebrew uh, dialect, uh, uh, they're not going to feel the, the words of God. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto you, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. 10 through 15. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. And I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures. Again, the wings of this machine that there's flying machine, this flying object that these living creatures are in, that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels over against them, and a noise of great rushing. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away obviously in this flying object, right? And I went in bitterness and the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. 
Then I came to the end of the captivity at Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river of Chabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. <laughs> you got to appreciate all this Old Testament Jewish Jewish humor here, right? There's a lot of funny things here in the scriptures, if you understand me. Here he's just talking about, right? He's just seen this UFO come. He's just seen God sitting in this UFO, seen the glory of God in this UFO. He's seen these creatures with four different heads of four different kinds of, of animals, the three in addition to the human face that they had, right? He's then caught up in this UFO. He's flown over to, to Chabar here, right? And then he's He's so shocked. He's been shocked for seven days now, right? After, after all that, be enough to kill a lot of people off, right? If they, you know, if they, you know, experience this kind of stuff, right? And this guy, it's like, I was astonished for seven days after those experiences. <laughs> really great here, right? Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's look then at, um, yeah, that's so great. And remain there astonished among them seven days. <laughs> Okay, so now let's go on to, uh, and it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the Lord, the Lord came unto me, say. So even the Lord gave him seven days to be astonished at all that he had seen. 18, through, uh, let's see, uh, 16 through 20, 16 through 21. Okay, so 70. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning for me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and yet you don't give him warning that he shall surely die if he doesn't repent from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hands. Right? That's one of the duties of the prophets of God. If God's about to bring judgment upon the people, he warns them. He commands them to go preach to the people. If they don't repent, judgment, death, destruction will come upon them. Therefore, if they don't preach that message, their blood is at, required at their hands. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, in verse 19, and he turned not from his wickedness. So you went ahead, you did warn the wicked, but they refused to, to uh, turn to repent. Nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. I, I don't require their blood at your head anymore. You you did what I commanded you to say. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given a warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. Blood is blood while I require at thy hand. So the same thing, you know, you're not just to preach to the wicked. You're to preach also to the righteous and let them know that even though you're being righteous now, you need to keep on the iron rod. You need to keep on the path of God until the day of your death. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't matter if you were once righteous. God doesn't care about that. You were once righteous, so what, right? He's still going to bring this destruction and death uh, upon them if you turn from the ways of righteousness. So you need to warn them too. If you don't warn them, prophets, if you don't warn them, then their blood will I require at thine hand. Once again, he's telling uh, he, the prophet Ezekiel and any other uh, prophet throughout history. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also, you've delivered your soul. You're innocent. I'm not going to hold this guilty against you. I'm not going to hold you guilty. 
Okay, 22 to 23. And the hand of the Lord was there upon me, and he said unto me, Arise, go forth into the plain, and I will there talk with thee. Then I arose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river of Chabar, and I fell on my face, right? So again, he's coming back to it, right? He doesn't specifically say it, but look, he's trying to tell you right here, right? Trying to be very specific here. I saw the Lord again in the same way, right? And I saw his glory the same way, being in this unidentified flying machine object that made noises and could fly around, right? Says so, so I uh, behold the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river at Shabar, and therefore he fell on his face. Right, uh, twenty six through twenty seven, and I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth, that thou shalt be dumb, and thou and shalt not be to them a reprover, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with thee, then I will open your mouth. And you shall say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear, and he that forbeareth, let him forbear for their rebellious house. So now he's, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be caught up in pride here after the visions that he saw, right? Uh, remember, uh, Paul himself's given a thorn in the flesh, uh, less ba based on the revelations and visions he had, that, that, that he would become prideful, right? That's what Paul said about his thorn in the flesh. So here... He makes Ezekiel's, uh, you know, tongue stick to the, you know, top of his mouth. He can't speak because maybe he would have been caught up in the pride of his heart, gone out and started speaking his own mind, speaking his own personal opinion, which is exactly what God does not want. When God calls a prophet, we've seen this many times before. We shall yet see it many times in the scriptures. He wants the prophet to speak his word. His mind, his will for the people, not their own personal opinions. God does not care about their personal opinions. God has not called them to speak or to voice their own personal opinions. So it'd be better for them to do it as Ezekiel said, keep the, the tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth and don't speak unless God commands them to say something and they go out and say the exact words that God told them to say. So what a great lesson here to Ezekiel to, uh, to speak only his words. Right? Uh, let's look now at uh, chapter 33, moving along here. Okay, chapter 33, and we'll look at verse 7 through 11. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die. If you don't speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. It's interesting he has to keep telling Ezekiel that lesson, doesn't he? Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he doth not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore, thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, thus ye shall speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He threatens it all the time. He's done it all the time. But he takes no pleasure in them. What does he take pleasure in? 
that the wicked turn from his way and live. That's God's pleasure to see the wicked turn from their ways of wickedness and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? So simple, right? But yet the people want to die. They want to die spiritually. They want to die, you know, uh, uh, they don't want to keep the commandments of God. You know, it's so simple, right? As God says here, just do it. Just just turn from your ways. Come unto the Lord and live. Live with the presence of God and the spirit of God in your lives. That's the much better way. Uh, let's look at 12 through 16. Therefore thou, son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Doesn't matter if you were righteous before. How are you living now? As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. You can't say, well, I can sin now because I used to be righteous. It doesn't work that way. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness, and commits iniquity, all his righteousnesses shall not be remembered. I will not remember that he was once righteous. I want to know what he's doing now. But for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. And again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. He, he hath done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. 18 through 19. When the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. 29. Chapter 33, verse 29. Then shall they know that I am the Lord when I have laid the land most desolate because of all the abominations which they have committed. They'll know that I'm God because I will bring and fulfill this promised destruction, this promised burning down of the temple as I promised to them. 30 through 33. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, come I pray you and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord, right? They're excited to hear the word of the Lord, but will they obey it? No, right? Let's watch 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. They even pretend. They go to church. They go to church and they pretend to be religious. And then during the six days during the week, uh, church is the furthest thing from their mind. God is the furthest thing from their mind and their hearts. They live after the ways of the world. But when it comes time on the, on the Sabbath day and they go to church and they pretend to be God's people, right? And they sit before me, before thee as my people, and they hear thy words. But they will not do them, for with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. We've seen him use this scripture many times before in the Old Testament. This is exactly what God, Jesus said to Joseph Smith in the first vision, right? That these people honor me with their lips. They say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
but their hearts are far from the Lord. Well, again, within that context, this verse of scripture here. 32, and lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, the one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do not, but they, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, and though it will come to pass, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them, because the things the prophet testified and prophesied, prophesied of hath been fulfilled. All right, let's go to 34. Powerful uh, uh, chapter coming up here in uh, chapter 34, uh, verse 1 through 12. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy against the religious leaders of this world, those who pretend to be Christians but are not. It says, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, to the shepherds. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel. Woe be to the ministers of a false Christianity that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Your responsibility, pastors, were to teach the truth of God. We're to teach the true doctrine of Jesus Christ. Teach the biblical doctrine, the doctrine in your own Bibles. But you refuse to do that. Instead, you want to raise money up unto yourselves to enrich yourselves, make yourselves popular, all these things here. You eat the fat and you clothe you with the wool. You wear great clothes and, and nice uh, uh, luxury uh, uh, clothing items and, and so forth from the riches that you get from the people giving you their money. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. You continue to fail to teach the true biblical doctrine of Jesus Christ. The diseased, have you not strengthened? You're not visiting the sick and the poor and the afflicted. Neither have you healed that which was sick. You're not healing them. That was God, right? What did God, what did Jesus do in his ministry? He did two, two major things, right? He went around preaching the word and he went around healing the people, the sick people, right? Those that come together. Both are together, right? You preach the word and you heal the people. But you are not doing that. In fact, what a lot of Christian churches say today, oh, miracles have ceased. Yeah, but the Bible doesn't say that, right? <laughs> Bible never says that the miracles have ceased, that healings don't exist anymore, anything like that. That's just because they don't have the power and priesthood authority of God. They don't have even the faith to even do it in God in Jesus Christ's name. They can't even heal somebody. Without a lack of faith, uh, you know, and without a without a true testimony of Jesus Christ, right? They don't have the priest authority to give the priest the blessings or anything like that, right? Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them, right? And they were and they were scattered because there's no shepherd, right? They're, they're scattered. You don't teach them the true doctrine of Christ. They don't feel the presence of the Holy Ghost, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, telling them that what you're saying to them is true because it's not. It's a philosophy and men mingled with Scripture. Therefore, then they seek after another pastor. 
and another pastor, low here, low there, right? Joseph Smith talks about what was going on in his own place like that, right? They kept going pastor to pastor, right? And they became meat to all the beasts of the field, all the beasts here being the uh, false religious uh, leaders, right? Beasts trying to get these people to become members of the congregation so they can get rich off of them and teach them just pleasing things. Became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill, yet my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Once they got all their money, or the great majority of it, then they were fine to let them go to, you know, leave their congregation, bring in somebody else next week, get rich off of them, tell them that God's commanded them to give them the, the, their money, right? Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, to all the false religious leaders, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I am against the false religious leaders. Jesus Christ, in the first vision to Joseph Smith, join none of these religions, join none of these false churches. They are all corrupt. They teach abominable false doctrines. Uh, their pastors, their, their professors of religion are all corrupt. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them, right? And what's happened since 1830, right? We've continued to send thousands of missionaries throughout all the world, taking from these congregations of these false pastors, of these false forms of the so-called Christianity, right? And therefore, they're losing their congregations. They're losing the income coming into them as the church and kingdom of God continues to grow and spread forth among the earth. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. God is leading the way. He's, he's helping these 19, 20-year-old uh, missionaries, 18, uh, go forth and uh, find the, his sheep. As a, sheep, a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. During the near 1800 years of apostasy and the uh, removal of the Christian church from the earth, they've been scattered now. And uh, I'm now bringing out tens of thousands of missionaries every year coming and going. And God leading the way, helping them find God's sheep. 13 through 15. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel. Remember the high places, high mountains are referred to the temples. Upon I will feed them in, their te in the temples of Israel shall their uh, fold be 
there shall they lie in good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon, again, in the temples, right, in the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. Uh, 23 through 24. Okay, here we go. Here's a, a deep doctrine. Uh, very few people even understand this. Very few uh, have taught it. Uh, very few of the leaders of the church have even made, I don't even know if they're aware of it, right? But the, the few of them have taught it. Joe Smith did teach it. Uh, um, you know, and there's few other verses of scripture out there about it. Here's a deep doctrine here uh, in uh, 34, uh, 23. 24 and i will set up one shepherd over them and he shall feed them even my servant david this is the messianic david is prophesied in other scriptures his name shall be david there will be this david that lives in the latter days who will become this mighty uh, prophet and great missionary for God, it will help to bring in thousands of people from, uh, you know, from out the, throughout all the world and all these countries, as God's saying here, unto God's true church and kingdom upon the earth. He, David, shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it, right? This is not King David. This is not the Descendant of King David, Jesus Christ, the Messianic uh, um, the Davidic king, right? This is a prince. Being very careful here, using the word prince rather than king. It is not the Messiah. This is not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will be their God, and they will be his people. But this David will rise up in the latter days and be a great instrument in God's hands in bringing together people throughout all the world unto the fold unto the sheepfold of God into his church and kingdom upon the earth. So here's this great the, the reference again to this uh, latter-day uh, David, whose name will be David, who will live in the last days and uh, do all this great work for the kingdom of God. Okay, let's look at 25 through 26. And I will make with them a covenant of peace as they come into the church and kingdom. And will cause the evil beasts, the, the evil pastors, evil ministers, to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods, right? They, they can, uh, you know, go and not be, uh, you know, bothered by these false uh, doctrines because they will have been taught by David the true, ter uh, the true doctrine of God, God's truth. They will learn from this David. And therefore, they don't need to fear anymore. They can be in the woods. They can be in the wilderness. And these false ministers, false teachers cannot deceive them any longer because they've been instructed by God. They've felt the Holy Ghost bear witness to their souls. They've developed testimonies of God's truth. Okay, and then he says, And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. And then in 28 through 31, and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen. Neither shall the beast of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, 
neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. They don't bear the shame of being a false heathen, of being of not being biblical Christians, biblical followers of Jesus Christ, having been led astray by false pastors and false religious leaders. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. What a powerful uh, chapter 34. In terms of this, uh, we'll now look at uh, 37, uh, chapter 37, and verses 1 through 11. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which is full of bones. Here's the vision of the dry bones where he sees the resurrection. Ezekiel, all kinds of visions and revelations. Huh? And caused me to pass by them round about, told them to walk around among these bones. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry bones. And he saith unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. <laughs> and again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring upon flesh upon you and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Because if I wasn't, you'd still be a dry bone in the valley. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, a, a, a rattling, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, and lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. What a powerful vision of the uh, resurrection. Uh, he says, behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold all my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Okay, so that takes care of 1 through 11. Now we'll look to uh, conclude here today, uh, verses 15 to 19. We're back to the restoration of the gospel. And we'll look at uh, 15 through 19. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick, one roll, a, a Torah scroll, a scripture roll. That's what the, how they would write the book of Isaiah and these things on a roll, right? On a scroll, on a stick. Take thee one stick and write upon it and, and write upon it for Judah and her companions, the Holy Bible. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph 
the stick of Ephraim. And for all the house of Israel, his companions, the Book of Mormon, right? And join them one to another into one stick, right? And they shall become one in thine hand, which we indeed have today. The Holy Bible, Book of Mormon, even the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl Great Price. These sticks have been joined together in fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel, prophesied of this event more than 2,500 years ago. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Will you not show to us what this means? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, the Book of Mormon, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel and his fellows, and they were the descendants of Joseph, both through Ephraim and Manasseh, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, joined together equal to one another one does not uh, one is not superior over the other you shouldn't just read the book of mormon and 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 neglect the bible you should not just read the bible and neglect the book of mormon a, a bible a bible we have a bible there can be no more bible uh, same as someone would say a book of mormon a book of mormon we have a book of mormon and there can be no more book of mormon both are equal both are testaments of the lord jesus christ both are to work together to testify that Jesus is our Lord, our God, our Savior, our King, and to teach the true doctrine of God, God's Word. And what a great prophecy here of the uh, scriptures here uh, coming together in the latter days. We have seen this literally fulfilled in 1830 with the publication of the Book of Mormon, another testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have the stick of Joseph and we have the stick of Judah and they have been joined together in one in God's hand, just as I hold here, the Holy Bible, the Book of Mormon and so forth. What a great, marvelous uh, lesson once again today. Well, it's a great life of the prophet Ezekiel. Next week, we'll look at Daniel, I believe. And uh, But what a great, uh, uh, you know, what a gr great, mighty prophet once again, Ezekiel. We've had several of these great prophets in a row. Uh, all again, they all, what do they always do? They always testify of a couple of basic things. They testify that God lives. They testify that Jesus is the Christ and the Savior and Redeemer of the world. They testify of the apostasy, that the Christian truth would be taken from the earth for a period of time. We know that took place for almost nearly 1,800 years. Then they've all testified something else again, that in the latter days, in the days prior to Christ coming forth from the clouds of heaven, that the restoration of the gospel would take place, that true doctrine, true God's truth would once again be preached upon the earth, that they would gather Israel from being scattered throughout all the world unto one shepherd, one fold, unto the very church and kingdom of Jesus Christ. For those of you who are not yet members of God's kingdom upon the earth, the invitation comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept him, exercise your faith in him, repent of your sins, come unto his missionaries, his shepherds, 
Let them know you're willing to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, that you want to make covenant with him to keep his commandments. He will pour out his blessing upon you as you get baptized in the when the waters of baptism being buried unto the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ into a newness of life. God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon you as you receive the great gift of the Holy Ghost. And as you continue to walk on the path of God, make some additional covenants with him and holy places upon this earth, he will more and more and more continue to bless you more abundantly, more abundantly, more abundantly, opening the windows of heaven, pouring out the blessings of great uh, peace and joy and happiness upon you. And uh, knowing as you're walking in the path of God, knowing that you're learning his true doctrine, that you're learning that how the universe works, you're learning how he op how God operates in the world, uh, knowing that you are a beloved son and daughter of God, that he loves you, that there's nothing greater than he wishes uh, to one day welcome you back into his kingdom, back into his arms of mercy, his arms of forgiveness, his arms of love, and welcome you as his prodigal son or daughter into his kingdom. We challenge you, we invite you to reach out to the missionaries through the link I'll put in the description of this video. Click on it, let the missionaries know. They will help you uh, on this path the, uh, back into God's kingdom and on the, the straight and narrow path. For those of you found inactivity in the church, drifted away over a period of time, we welcome you full back into full membership with, the, with God's kingdom. Come back, reach out to the elders quorum president. What reach out to the relief society president? Reach out to your bishops. Just grab one of them. Uh, hold on, they will help you. Tell them you need help. You need to become active again in the church, and they will do whatever they can to help you become fully active once again. Get back on that path towards happiness, joy, and peace in your life, and eternal life in the world to come with our heavenly Father. Of Him I testify this day of his reliving reality and of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who indeed accomplished all of these prophecies that the, all the holy prophets declared of him, and he is continuing to fulfill them, and he will yet fulfill the great marvelous prophecies they uttered about his second coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords to reign on this earth for the period of 1,000 years to begin winding up the end of this world as the earth gets ready to convert and be transfigured into a, into a glorious celestial kingdom. Uh, then we testify of this day of the glorious gospel truth of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. We testify and leave our witness with you and we ask God to pour out his blessings upon you. May you have food to eat. May you have a safe shelter overhead. May you have uh, opportunities to find joy, find the love, find happiness in your lives, opportunities to serve him, to serve your fellow beings. There is no greater joy and happiness that can come into you than to be in the service of your fellow beings. For when you're in the service of your fellow beings, you're in the service of your God. We leave these blessings with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.